0: Welcome to the Maybe I Can podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Weiss. I'm here to motivate and inspire you to stop using your circumstances as an excuse, just like I used to. An excuse to not take control of your life. It's time to stop living your life on autopilot and start taking purposeful action to create the life you truly desire. Let's do this together. Good morning. Or good afternoon, or good evening, good whatever time of day you're tuning in. Thank you so much for being here. And last week, I started telling you about myself because, hey, you want to know who you're listening to and how I got to this place. And hopefully, that can inspire you to realize that you too can do whatever it is that you want, regardless of your circumstances. And last week, I spent a lot of time discussing my weight issues and how that affected my life. And, you know, I was a scaredy cat. I didn't want to be seen. I kept close to my parents. I didn't like to step out of my comfort zone at all. I mean, even for the teeniest, most ridiculous things, I just wanted to basically stay safe. If I could have just cocooned in my room, I would have. But of course you can't. I mean, I guess you can, but underneath that really wasn't and isn't the person that I am. And so when I was 17, the day after I graduated from high school, my father had a massive stroke. He was only a few days shy of 46 years old and he survived. And he was paralyzed on the left-hand side of his body and took months and months and longer than months and different surgeries. And, you know, back then medicine wasn't what it is today. And this was in 1981. And in the end, what wound up happening, I'm fast forwarding a few years in the making, my parents wound up getting divorced and I became my father's caregiver. He could no longer work. You know, he was himself, but his personality had changed and he just couldn't concentrate. Just to, He just didn't have the ability to do it anymore. And when they got divorced, my mom found a place for him to live in basically an independent living facility. And there he was in his mid to late 40s and everybody else in there were in their mid to late 80s. So not ideal, for a middle-aged man uh, who now found himself, he, he was able to walk with a cane, but he couldn't work and take care of himself, really. I mean, he could to a certain extent. That's why he was in an independent living facility. But, you know, I had to, I don't know, think about him all the time. Not that that was a bad thing, but I had to become his advocate. When he had an issue that he couldn't take care of, it was my responsibility Or it's not that anybody gave me that responsibility. I I truly think that I felt like, okay, this is where my value can come in. Since I felt unworthy because of my body, maybe I could prove my worth by being the one who was there for my dad. And for the remaining 30 years that he lived, that's exactly what I did. I took him to doctors and went grocery shopping for him, took him to holidays. Oh, I don't know. Just, I can't even, honestly, talking about everything that I did, needed to do, I could write a book just about that. The point really is that for 30 years, I became his caregiver. And there were so many times in those 30 years that I had to speak up. I couldn't hide. I couldn't shut myself in that cocoon. And what I found is it was much easier for me to advocate on somebody else's behalf than my own. And I started to find my voice by being forced, or at least I felt forced by myself to take on this role and this responsibility. You know, looking back, it was pivotal because it helped me grow and it helped me realize, okay, look, maybe I am valuable because without me, what would dad be doing? And it started to give me my own self-worth, you know, and confidence because I saw that I could speak to the manager of the facility when there was a problem. And I could, we had a few different times where he didn't have money and I had to look for other places for him to live. And, I, you know, I was in my 20s. It was not, it just was not what my friends were doing, right? I mean, mostly I was the only one in this role at such a young age. As we get older, It's common, right, to have to take care of your parents, but not when you're 25 or 30 years old. So while it helped me in so many ways, I did also feel very burdened by it at the time. And as time went on, I did gain a little bit more confidence, started to think about putting myself out there after I had been working as a CPA for 10 years, I knew it was fine. There was things I liked about it, things I didn't like about it. But the idea of putting myself out there in a new situation was terrifying. I mean, this was safe. This had become my safe haven, my job, taking care of my dad. You know, these were all things now in my comfort zone. And I think when I look back on my life, I was never anyone who wanted to step out of their comfort zone at all. I don't know what changed at certain times that I decided to take a leap, but after I met my husband, soon after, an opportunity arose to have us move to New Jersey. We're originally from New York. And even though it's a neighboring state, I mean, it was a total foreign place or at least the area of New Jersey that we moved to was totally foreign to us, didn't know a person. And we got an opportunity to uh, open up an insurance agency. And let me tell you, oh my gosh, on so many levels, it was terrifying. And some of the things that I had to do and face and say, it, it just was beyond. But once I was in, You know, once I had committed, it was then in my own mind kind of weighing, okay, should I just quit? Because I'm scared. I'm scared of this task that's in front of me. And believe me, I wanted to quit. I really did. I think if it weren't for my husband at those times, I probably would have said, forget it. Let's just pack our bags move back to Long Island, and I'll get my job back, you'll get your job, and we'll go on from there. It took about, I would say, three years or so to get through, through the storms of this whole new career and life were. And again, when you get through something, when you walk into that fear, instead of turning around, putting your tail between your legs, and running as fast as you can the other way, it's amazing what's on the other side of it. It's just, at least for me, it was getting me to step through that fear. With the insurance agency, I had to i had to do that in so many different ways. I had to go to some training and every other person in the training was affiliated, had a, an insurance background. I knew absolutely nothing about insurance. It was like they could have been speaking, I don't know, Greek to me. That's what it felt like. And I felt like an outcast. And I was petrified to go into these rooms of people. I mean, oh my gosh, talk about self-conscious and not feeling worthy. What I discovered is they were nice. (laughs) These people were accepting and encouraging. and. They cheered me on and they they became a support system for me. For in the day to day operation, if I had a question, I knew that I had somebody who wouldn't judge me that I could call. My, in the end, taking this leap of faith turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. Looking back, it gave me so many different things, gave me and my family so many, so many wonderful. Um, different things. It gave me a lot of freedom to be there in the future for other family issues and illnesses that would arrive, arise, not arrive. I guess they did arrive, but they also arose after we were done with, you know, got through the hurdle of stepping through that fear and now being confident in my business. I set out to start a family, which also didn't work as it was supposed to. And we struggled with infertility for several years. We wound up six in vitro fertilization procedures later having two beautiful sons, but that was another two or three year period of time with such roll, such a roller coaster ride of emotions, and you know, ca- still caring for my father at the same time. You know, when the whole thing first started, of course, what was the first thing that came up that I needed to do? Lose weight because being overweight affects your fertility. There it was that it reared its ugly head once again. My gosh, darn weight, always a problem always an issue. Reminded me again, why, see, I'm not even good enough to become a mom just because of my weight. It really, it fed into all of my insecurities, the ups and downs. And, oh, I I felt, you know, I watched everybody else, or at least it felt like everybody else would say, I want to have a baby. And then a month later, they'd say, oh, I'm pregnant. The pity party, which So much of my life I spent just feeling sorry for myself. Oh, sure. I have to be the one taking care of my father when my friends are carefree and don't have a worry in the world in their 20s and 30s. And now look at this. I can't even have a baby. I can't get pregnant. Nothing is easy for me. Everyone else, like I said, just goes off and boom, they, uh, they're they like bunny rabbits, but not me, not me. Why me? Why does this happen to me? Life is so awful, blah, blah, blah. Although on the outside, I was still always an upbeat person, but internally, it was that internal talk to myself that was really so destructive. And like I said, in the end, we did wind up you know, being successful. And I know not everybody is, and I've watched others suffer this pain of infertility. And uh, what can I say? It sucks. How profound is that? Yep. That's it. It sucks. And then my next big adult, I don't want to say crisis, but crisis was my oldest son, when he was 15 years old, the pediatrician started asking me questions like, does he follow one-step directions? I'm like, one-step directions? He said, yeah, you know, like, go tell him to go get the ball. I said, no. Does he say any words? No. How do you know that he can hear? And I thought to myself, how do I know? And I said, he loves TV and he loves music. You know, does he know his name? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes, most of the time I call his name. And now that you mention it, I don't know if he turns around. All that turned into a lot of therapy, a lot of doctors. And when he was two and a half years old, he was diagnosed with PDD-NOS, which is basically autistic spectrum disorder. They don't have that diagnosis name anymore, but that's what it is. It's like, okay, he doesn't fit in any of the categories to say he has autism per se, but he has a lot of the traits. Well, you know what? I loved my dad to death and there is nothing, nothing that would have stopped me from doing whatever I possibly could to help my son. And that's what I did. That's one of the ways that my insurance business was so helpful is that I was able to hire people and to have a team that was there to help run the agency while I was off dragging my poor kid everywhere to do whatever therapy I could possibly think of. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about time. I didn't care about distance. I cared about nothing. I had a goal and that was to help my child at that age when he was two and a half or three, I was like, okay, I got to get him into kindergarten looking like all the rest of the kids. And it was all consuming. And I did and said things and spoke to people and stepped up with such courage and confidence that I never had before. Because here was another example when you're a mama bear and your cub needs help, forget it. I would stop at absolutely nothing. And that's what I did. He's almost 22. Actually, when you're listening to this, well, when you're listening to this, who knows when it'll be, right? Which is so funny. But in 2023, he'll be 22 in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm still his mama bear and I'm still in his corner. And, you know, this is another topic that, oh boy, I could go off about forever. Let's just suffice it to say that that struggle that fight in on so, you know, whether it's with doctors, therapists, or the school district, that fight in me, what I saw that I was capable of when I was not doing it for my own interests, for what my, you know, for my son's interests, It taught me something. It showed me something about myself. What was happening was life's circumstances, we changing me. And I think that that happens to all of us, right? I mean, that's how we learn. That's how, as we get older and we have all these experiences, we evolve. And I would say that I was definitely evolving. And at that time, I was so knee deep in caring for everyone else, for both my sons, you know, particularly my son uh, with his issues and then my dad and then running a business. And then of course, you know, my marriage, which I guess I wasn't paying too much attention to neither of us were at that time, but it was fine. There was no time for me and that was okay. I, I was doing what I needed to do. I don't think I realized that I was burnt out because I really didn't have a second to myself. And again, it was self-inflicted. It wasn't like anybody said to me, you have to do this. I was always lucky enough to have some really amazing friends. That has truly been one of the gifts, the greatest gifts of my lifetime. And in particular, I would say my posse includes my cousins, Mindy and Pam, um, particularly Mindy Has been a a common thread throughout my life. She's a year younger than I am. She is the one who's always watching out for me. It's like she's my caregiver, which is amazing. And then I have a friend, Joni, who I've been friends with since seventh grade social studies class when I was sitting in the row next to her a few desks behind and I noticed her earth her earth shoes okay for any of you who are old enough to know what earth shoes are and complimented her we became besties ever since and then I have a third wonderful friend Mary who I met in college and each of them are so, Different, and each of them give me and fill me up in a different way. And when I turned 50, they insisted that I should do something big. Now I got to pause. I love my birthday. All right. I'm like stupidly obsessed with my birthday. I'm not sure why my dad really loved his birthday. So I'm guessing that's probably where it came from. It has nothing to do with presents. It has not, I, I don't know what it has to do with. I think it's like, if this is my day. And everybody should shower me with love and appreciation and acknowledgement on this day. So 50, you know, obviously a big milestone coupled with the fact that I love my birthday. And they said they wanted to. Let's go on a girl's trip, which I had never done. And I was very scared to leave my family and leave Gary, my husband, with the boys who at that point were like, I don't know, maybe like 11, 12, 13, something like that. I mean, not little. We did it. I rediscovered myself. I, I forgot. I had forgotten who I like, who I was. I forgot things that I liked and things that I was known for. I forgot how everybody used to always comment on my laugh in a good way, you know, but everyone said, you can always know when Debbie's here because you can hear that distinct laughter. Of hers. I I had to say to them, Did I used to be known for my laugh? And they just all looked at me like incredulous that I would even ask such a question, but I had truly forgotten. I forgot how much I love to dance. And oh my goodness, in, in that two or three days, I, I can't think of another time in my life that I enjoyed myself as much as I did then. I forgot what it was like to have nobody else to worry about except for myself. I mean, it was almost like I was looking over my shoulder thinking sh- isn't there somebody else don't i need to be doing something for somebody else and i think at maybe it was the age too that's about when i started to realize you know i'm 50 i hope i live at least another 50 years but what's going to happen am i going to get to the end whenever that end game is and look back and say wait a minute i, I never got to do or be anything that i wanted i lived my life for others and that was my choice and is my choice but it does it have to be only that i mean maybe i could tap back into the things that i enjoy you know i'm not debbie the wife, the mother, the daughter, the boss. What about me as a person? I think just having that exposure with my friends reminding me, oh gosh, it just showed me how much really I needed that. And I needed to get in touch with myself. And I honestly needed to take a good hard look at my life and say to myself, is this the life that you want? I didn't know what life I wanted. I mean, I had no idea. I never sat down to think about it, right? One thing led to another. I was a caregiver, then I, you know, then it was about the insurance agency, then it was about infertility, then it was about Sam's diagnosis and being a mom and it was like just roll, uh, you know, I'm on a roll, not a roll in a good way, but just one event, one set of circumstances, one thing rolling into the next that was my life because i never stopped to think oh it doesn't have to be this way no i just assumed this is the way it had to be i had no control over those things and you know i didn't have control over certain things Sam's diagnosis, my father having a stroke. Of course, I didn't have control over those things. It wasn't my quote unquote fault, but obviously I could control how I reacted to those things. And I have zero, zero regrets as far as that's concerned. But this 50th birthday trip, and I didn't know it at the time, by the way, it wasn't like, oh, oh gosh, did that just go on? You heard that? That's an awful sound. But that was like, ah, the heavens opening up. No, it wasn't like that. I just got a taste, a taste of something. And I subconsciously wanted more. And that is truly where my journey began to where I am today. I think I'm going to leave you with this. So we had part one, my childhood, part two, who I was becoming. And next week, I'm going to share with you my journey to where I am today. As always, I so appreciate you being here. Email me at debbie at com. Let me know what you think, any feedback, share your stories because I'd love, love, love to hear them. And until next week, make it a great day. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, you've always had the power, my dear. You've just had to learn it for yourself. Until next time.